the 74th straight year and 89th time Notre Dame and USC will square off on the football field this weekend. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. You are listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, and we are a little bit more than 48 hours away from Notre Dame taking on USC for that 74th straight year. Notre Dame a 10-point favorite. Uh, and the weather forecast has gotten a lot better than when you mentioned it on Monday, Pete, that uh, high of 52, virtually no chance of rain, low of 43, a little bit windy, uh, but should be a good day uh, and good night in Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's fall weather. This is when the... Yeah, it's the, a little it's a little it's early. for a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's a, a little early for some of the stuff we thought we were going to get, but... Uh, um, yeah, it's 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 perfect for Notre Dame. I don't know if USC is going to be shivering. I don't I don't think it'll quite be that bad because this probably is a, they will be. Well, but this is I mean this is that's the weather when we get to Southern Cal at the end of the year when they're playing out there. Feels a little different. Forty. It does. Like, no, yeah. During the yeah yeah yeah. I mean it's like when you go to LA for this game, you can spot who roots for what team based on whether they're wearing pants or shorts. Yeah, that's it. Um, I think USC will be uncomfortable with high 40s. That's that's just how that's going to be. I, I don't know how much of an impact it's going to have on a game, but if you have a quarterback who was from Arizona, um, who's a freshman on the road, not his first road start, but certainly his biggest, that, that might have an impact on what happens. I think it impacts him more than, yeah, than the, anybody else. Well, so, and think about the pass that. rush that he's going to be yeah. dealing with, too. So... Um, yeah, Keaton Slovis uh, back in the lineup for USC. Uh, Notre Dame would prefer it be Matt Fink, I'm sure, uh, but it, w- it will be uh, it will be Slovis, and he's been very, very good. He's completing 77 percent of his passes, and if you watch him play, I mean, the kid knows how to play the game. He knows how to see the field. You know, a lot of times we see in book look, and that this well, this is really Brandon Wimbush would look. But not really see. I think Slovis looks and does see. But again, that Nordian pass rush will be coming down on him. What do you guys think? You know, we know about everybody's talking about the three wideouts for USC. There's no um, no fake news involved there. Those guys are tremendous. Uh, but there are ways of combating that, especially if you can get a strong pass rush. Yeah, I mean. I guess I would say if you said that they were going to catch what they caught last year, I would be like, yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, I think I would that's, have said I think it's fifty. Just guessing. Slovis so is probably going to throw for three hundred yards because the receivers are going to have at least two seventy-five. Yeah, uh, Matt Fink threw for three hundred fifty-five, and he's just throwing the ball up. And those guys are, <laughs> you know, the more you watch, I mean, the more you watch Pittman, Vaughns, and and St. Brown, and they're they're all different, but they're all really good. Pittman has really come into his own. Great size. His hands, the I mean the the ball just nestles into his hands. He doesn't even he doesn't even catch it, so to speak. And then Vaughn's is long and athletic and a different type of receiver. And St. Brown is just I love his toughness. You know, I mean they they work him out of the slot and he breaks a lot of tackles and he throws his body around and they're just all different type receivers, but they're all really good. I would expect Amon Ross St. Brown probably to have eight, nine, ten catches in this game. I mean, I think I think he'll have a huge impact and it's. Catching the ball is fine. Um, right. Yards after catch, or maybe yards after contact, is a better way to look at it. Um, that's that's where if USC is going to upset Notre Dame, Amon Ross St. Brown has to have a huge game. Um, and the thing is, he's really capable of that kind of game. I think all three shiny toys will play great, but there's more to 
the football game than that. There really is, and and I and they're, Tim, you're they're better you, than the corners Notre Dame has, you, especially without Sean Crawford. They are they they are better. If, if Troy Pride has his best day, Tyler Vaughn's and Amon Ross St. Brown are still better than the other corners. That's what it comes down to. And Michael Pittman will do fine against Troy Pride. I I love Troy Pride's comments. What have you learned about playing boundary? <laughs> I learned you can make some really incredible back shoulder throws. That's he's right. I mean, he's not like he's getting torched, but. He's getting beat because they're making some great throws. On I the mean, guy, and gonna... uh, all right, name a cornerback that plays a back shoulder throw well consistently. <laughs> exactly. it's, I did talk to Julian Love about that, but he's, he's no longer he's, here. He's no longer here. So they could use him in this game and Sean Crawford. I, I was looking forward to watching the old football is fun that I've been talking about for the last month with the Georgia game. I was looking forward to Crawford going against these guys because he wasn't there last year. He's a competitive guy. He and St. Brown would have been fun in the slot. Uh, Pete, your quest, line of questioning about Usu Koromoa. In the nickel, and we should point out, I don't think they have a dime anymore, right? It's just the nickel now. Just like they didn't have a nickel, it was the dime. Yeah, I mean, Uwusu Koromoa said he was repping as the second nickel. So at that point, it's just it's semantics, whether you're in dime or you're in nickel, based right. on you have Lamb and Uwusu Koromoa out there at the same time. Two linebackers, five days now. I think Notre Dame would call that their dime set, even though like in the classic sense, right. it's a it's a nickel package. So we'll see. It's I mean, Uwusu Koromoa is twitchy, and I think we'll... Make a bunch of big plays, um, but I think he could have a bunch of big plays made on him as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Jack Lamb's really key in this game. I think he's a, a key matchup for Notre Dame. I think that he can handle it up to yeah. a point. Other than getting caught in traffic a couple times, he clearly knows his assignment. He clearly knows where he's supposed to be. He can sniff out he a screen. There. Yeah, he really does. Every once in a while, I mean, you're not always going to not yeah. get caught up in that failing some bodies moving everywhere. But he's he sees what's coming, and when he, when he does, he's on it, and. That's what cuts down yards after the catch in that situation. I, they don't give up a lot of sacks. Tim and I were talking about that just prior to this, how USC and that line has only given up six sacks, which is fewer than Notre Dame is strange. Um, I know BYU and Washington just was set on confusing defensively, and BYU dropped eight because they had no other so choice. There's a no lot of drop. It was a Bowling, yeah. Green, you know, Bowling right. Green got rid of the football that you can't. You've got to read through some of the stats sometimes, and yes. I'm, I'm certainly it's just guilty six of is that. Weird, but it's yeah. low for for what their line is. When you watch them, I, you just would guess more. Even right. though, you could watch all the games and just imagine sacks that ha- did not happen because their line just it, it does give in as the game progresses. It's strange, like their rushing statistics are not great. I think they're in the 70s in yards per carry. Um, and I when I then looked at the sacks, I expected them to have given up like right. 15 yeah, sacks and right. six. So. That makes me think that the run game is actually worse than the statistics yeah. would indicate because you're not artificially depressing those numbers with lost sack yardage. Um, so with that in mind, if USC cannot really run the ball, then I would just drop eight slowest to death. Um, and Notre Dame doesn't really – I don't track how often Notre Dame does it. I track how often it is done to Notre Dame. Um, and It might be something we're going to take a look at, though. This yeah, that's why it, it, it's only a few times per game, but I would expect, yeah. you know, if you're Notre Dame, you do that a half dozen times. As far as their running game, Malapai, I, I he gets the bulk of the carries. He probably is fundamentally sound, really good in blitz pickup, those kind of things. He's their Tony Jones. But he's not, but yeah, but he's not overly, he's just, he's not overly impressive. Stephen Carr has been very impressive. I love Marquis Steps' game, kind of a Jameer Smith type type runner. Um, but as you say, Pete, I mean they're they're averaging like four point two yards per carry, and they're not giving up a lot of sacks. So there's some stuffs. There, there yeah, has to be a large amount of stuffs involved there, and this this relates to their offensive line, which is young. This is a young, you know the 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 two deep 
Offense, defense, punter, kicker, 48 players. There are 30 freshmen and sophomores in that too deep. There's a bunch of talent. Yeah. And some of those sophomores are really, really good and already established like St. Brown, but some aren't. The key is, this is important, is the, when we talk about the back end and what you need to do, Notre Dame's front does not need an extra man in the box. The way they are playing, the way Notre Dame is playing to handle USC, and that's a very good thing because if they did, there'd be some serious issues. They don't need that. They don't need to bring – you, you switch things up. Washington was masterful at switching things up, and they just bundled USC. But, you know, you're going to bring Alohi Gillen up once in a while for that because he plays the alley so well. But Notre Dame can handle him yeah. without an no, extra guy I, in the box. I agree. Um, flipping over to you, the defensive side of the ball for USC, I like their two interior guys, Tufele, um Tui Pelotu. Uh, I, he's their nose tackle. I really like him. He's six. He's 6'3", 305, and plays more like a three technique. He's very active. Um, I've never – I wrote this the other day. I mean, Christian Rector, I just think – I've got a long history with him. I do. Like I, I mean, I just think, you know, it's just all about the pass rush, and it, it's it's nothing about contain or holding the edge or – maybe I'm overplaying that because I don't see him on a regular basis. They have a freshman at defensive end, Drake Jackson – Who's very good? Who's who's doing a lot of positive things? Knocking passes down at the line of scrimmage. Uh, also picking up silly personal foul calls <laughs> on a fairly regular basis, as well. I like their linebackers. Houston. He's six three two twenty. He looks longer than that. He plays longer he than has that. Been there since who was his coach? Do you think his last coach <laughs> Kiffin? Did he have Kiffin? <laughs> well, he's listed as a junior. So yeah, that's yeah. not true. That's that's one of those. And Carlos uh, Huerta the, guys. The, the the hard to look at his name, but fairly easy to pronounce. Now Ote Ote. What begins with a G? So it, which begins be with a G? He's very good too. So Houston and now Ote Ote in the middle are are good. I think they're vulnerable on the back end. They're very young back there. I have seen uh, Ryan Abraham from the USC site didn't say much about this, and if I said that I saw every snap of USC this week, I'd be lying, but I see their nickels getting beat fairly consistently. That's number nine, Greg Johnson, and number seven, Chase Williams, who also doubles as a strong safety. Um, Polo Mao, their free safety is very active, uh, six foot four, built along the lines of a Kyle Hamilton. But they're young at corner. I think they're really vulnerable back there. If Ian Book can get dialed in and locked into his keys, I think they can have a big day against that secondary. Yeah, I mean they're they're have a young group of five star cornerbacks that they do. That they just are rolling out that there. That they do. Um, that you know, I don't know how you guys. It's like, did you watch the Bowling Green game multiple times? Probably not. But I, as I sort of think and watch more of. Think about more of Ian Book's performance against Bowling Green. I think I felt l- less good about it. Um, whether that would be the ball he underthrew to Chris Fink down the sideline, or the long yeah. touchdown to Chase Claypool, which was not really a great throw, no. or even the touchdown to Komet was no, not that a great throw. No. The, and it's like USC right can make throw, those though. plays. It's like he it. The Claypool get, throw is so easy; it can be the right throw sometimes. Sure. Like, why would you miss that when it's that open? Yeah, it's just a hard. Well, he's been in his own. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just sort of like yeah. I, the fake throw was a poor throw. He had yeah. plenty of room and for he how to get it. for how young USC is. They're talented and they're long and they're bouncy and they're athletic. And I, I wonder if they will make some plays of sort of above their production level to date uh, on Saturday night. They could because I, yeah, I mean I, the, I, the youth that I've seen back there, I've seen them get burnt. Now those are a lot of highlight, you know, type clips and stuff, but. 
and Hufanga, their strong safety, he he's active too. Uh, you know, I don't want to underplay uh, Griffin, their their sophomore cornerback, already has six passes broken up, so you know he's pretty active too. But I just, you know, I think that if I think that if Notre Dame has time, which you know, I, I don't know if I'm creating this, but as I watched USC, it just seemed to me that their linemen, offensive and defensive, as the game progresses, they slow down. The best way for me to equate, because look, USC always <laughs> has enough talent to rise up in a game, but the way to equate this is for Notre Dame fans 10 years ago, man, we're going to this game, we got to We have Tate, Floyd, and Rudolph. We're going to go handle teams like this. And then the two lines get involved. And everything else gets involved, and the more physical team gets involved. And the one that has great coaching, I'm talking about old USC, versus poor coaching, I'm talking about old Notre Dame. All of that matters more than the three dudes that are awesome. Otherwise, Brian Kelly wouldn't have coached Notre Dame in 2010 because Notre Dame had three awesome dudes on the perimeter, and it yeah. doesn't equate. I mean, you can rise up. USC has plenty of talent, and the three guys there can be game wreckers. It's weird to have three game wreckers because if two get hot... You're in a little bit of trouble when you're without Sean Crawford and who you should have at corner at this stage. Notre Dame is very, very shorthanded at corner because we don't know if Tariq Bracey is anywhere near good enough to handle these guys. I, I like Bracey, but he hasn't played these guys. No, and when he did, which was just seven games ago, he really he really Probably not struggled. fair to him now. No, no, a whole year makes a huge yeah. difference, of course. And Pete, I know you just did a did a piece on him. Um, yeah, I... He answered he, the bell against Georgia. Those guys aren't those guys either. They're at this stage. No. They're, they're not, these guys are, Troy, Troy Pride said, these three are so polished. They are wide receivers their whole lives. They yeah. know the sport. Georgia has pickings and guys that are going to become very good in a couple of years and have a lot of athletic ability. These guys are actually yeah. polished. They have a better quarterback, Georgia. <laughs> they do. You, so, yes, they do. I mean, that's part of the yeah. part of the equation. I, I Yeah, it's, I, I was just saying, I feel pretty good about, in some ways I almost feel better about Bracey on Saturday night than I do about Pride. Not sure I could totally articulate why. Because he's on uh, the boundary? Is that part of it, though? That he's just Could be boundary feel. I mean, the types of places. I just feel like Bracey's made more plays than Pride has made. Yeah, and I I, I mean, Bracey coming out of high school, he was just a, he was a natural defender of yeah. the pass. I, I think that he's going to be really, really good. To get to your point, Tim, cohesion, chemistry, positive feelings, yeah. uh, caring, you know, I mean... Playing for your playing teammate. Playing for your teammate. I mean, these USC are all kind of right. These yeah. are all kind of cliche things, but this is what this is why Notre Dame is twenty six and five in their right. last thirty one games. And our so, job is to break down. There have been people on the board that keep saying USC stinks. Who can, why are you guys so afraid of USC? Our job is to break down USC. Your job is to act like a fanboy. So <laughs> but but my point is we used to look at it from how come Tate Floyd and Rudolph don't just go win games for you, because that's not football. Well if you've spent Correct. if you've spent in my case, 50-plus years watching Notre Dame USC, and in your case, yeah. 35. 35. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I, as an analyst, you as an analyst, are, we're in a position to just disregard USC. No, I've seen much better Notre Dame teams, and I can't, I really shouldn't say worse Notre Dame team, but like, or worse USC team. But my freshman year, USC was not a good program. It was 1991. I'm sure they had a ton of talent. I can't recall their guys other than the receivers. I mean, Notre Dame was great in 1991. They went by four points at home. You know, there's just like some of these games are closer than they should be. Um, our recent memory is USC coming in here and just getting absolutely bludgeoned. Didn't seem like they wanted anything to do with that game. I mean, the recent yeah. memory was Thanksgiving last year. No, I mean, here coming. To yeah, no, I'm just saying, know, like, it wasn't that long ago that a, a pretty listless USC team yeah. 
who had a lot less to play for then than they do now. They're a lot better. And I'm not saying really good. I'm not saying that USC can't come in here and lay an egg. Neither am I. Neither am I. When when you have playmakers or receiver like that, all it takes is to hit a couple plays and and to compare a row. USC is not that good on the road. I mean, yeah, they, I, they I, I was just—I wanted to bring that up. Do you? Do you I, I haven't gotten into the, the numbers. Will be in the preview tomorrow, but um, they're no. one in six against ranked teams on the road with Clay Helton. And I mean, you shouldn't be great against ranked teams on the road necessarily, but Clay Helton had a couple good teams, right? Sixteen and seventeen, he had good teams. Or yeah. seventeen, he had good, really good team. Um, they just struggle. There's they're, a BYU, there's a BYU the loss in there. Yeah. Uh, man, I like BYU's quarterback. He's seven and ten on the road. It's not terrible. Have you seen but, BYU's quarterback yeah. Wilson? Is he still healthy since they played them? I don't know. I really like him. He's he's good. But uh, yeah, I, Notre Dame has a lot going in its favor, and um, uh, USC on the road is one of those things. In Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is quite familiar with struggling on the road. They seem to have gotten that out of their system now, but. Uh, a lot of teams fall into to that trap. It's two and five um, since Sam Darnold left, but they weren't. They were two and two with Darnold. Yeah, it's just not. Yeah. All right, we have a we have a ton of questions uh, USC related. A couple other things that we'll probably open with in in segment two, and then we'll dive in deeper in Notre Dame USC this Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Burning up the boards, starting with Garrett Presley, too, with the emergence of the two tight end offense having success and Jafar Armstrong coming back. How much of an impact do you see Chris Fink having the rest of the season? A rotational player, which is fine. Um, you know, there'll be some weeks where the two tight end might not be right. to their, their advantage. Um, you know, Jafar Armstrong coming back does open up maybe two backs being to their advantage, which... They I think to, to, do, the, right? to the most part, like when they go two backs, I feel like it's two backs and three receivers. Um, like it's a 20 personnel. I might be mistaken. And that could change as the season goes on. Because I think for the most part, the only times we've seen two backs is like they're blowing somebody out and they're just trying it. Yeah. They're not you, like you taking Cole Komet out makes sense <laughs> right, that's, at that point. That, that's true. Komet um, not being on the field is right. just when you're up 50. But I mean, Jafar, they fully expect him to play probably 15, 20 snaps this weekend. It's not going to be full-on the whole game, um, but he's back. Jamir Smith, formerly Jameer Smith, is is healthier, and they expect him to have a little I bit more know. of is a... I don't know. Is Nardim using that pronunciation? I don't, you are. Sure. Okay. Well, I am, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, because I heard him say it. So, yeah. so they will have more weapons to go, and if they have more weapons, that means the other weapons are going to play less. I think uh, you mentioned Jamir Smith. I think Flemister's the guy that loses the most playing time yes. now going nope. forward. Yeah. That's just the way it works. And I don't know. Uh, Lawrence Keyes is back or expected back. And he is. so, yeah. I, I, but he'll have to work him back in. You're not. That's not bringing back Komet either in right. terms of his confidence right. level and, and everything. Um, I think Young will have more snaps than Fink the rest of the year because you are subbing out. If you're putting in Tommy Tremble, you're, you're subbing out the slot. I think Young at his best is a better outside receiver than Chris Fink. We haven't seen Young since August be Michael Young, but now would be the time, game three. I do believe Chris Fink is going to have an impact on a couple games this year, uh, and they might need him to. He's, I kind of asked him about his season. He preferred not to talk about himself almost all the time, and he did talk about guys coming back. 
he thinks is just the key to the offense growing. And he finally did kind of admit, I've been a, I've been asked to get outside my comfort zone, outside of the slot. And I maybe oh, I meant player, to ask, maybe I meant to ask player, you about but, that you know. interview because that's something that I've been saying over and over again. And that doesn't justify dropping passes no, regardless of what position you're at. Uh, he does still. He does seem to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, which is a good thing because he needs to play better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you like your captain to have a chip on his shoulder. Brooks Beer won. What's the deal with Houston Griffith? Last year, I thought he was a freshman with a lot of potential. This year, he's been non-existent. Is he being redshirted? Let me answer that last question first. He's played all five games, so he's not being redshirted. He's just not as good as the other guys. At yeah. corner, especially. Or at safety. Well, that's true, because those he's not anywhere near as good as those two guys in Hamilton. Three guys. Three yeah. guys, yeah. Right, but next year, I would assume he can win that safety role next to Kyle Hamilton. Or will well, rotate with Isaiah Pryor. I mean, they, I think that's the ideal situation. Yeah, they 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 have Houston Griffith so far has just not been as good as what his recruiting rankings are. Oh, that's for sure. And if yeah. he was a low four star prospect, I don't think anybody would be asking this question. Yeah, they. I mean, he needs to settle in somewhere. Obviously, yeah, he's they, been they bounced around totally a little bit. Him. Nichols not a good fit, and corners not a good fit. So let's see him play safety now. Well, first. and yet, and yet they were. I mean, they were really happy with what he was doing on the practice field in nickel. Maybe that was the only option without Sean Crawford, but. I, I thought Nick Coleman was a better nickel last year than Houston Griffith. Now he was a senior and Griffith was a freshman, but yeah, I I agree. Uh, he just hasn't played up to to Pete's point his capabilities. If he was a lower rated player, the question wouldn't be there. But that's why it's there. I mean, he's correct. He was, I get he was it. A top hundred player. Just hasn't been. I don't. Yet. Let's, I, let's wait. I never. Him. I never agreed he was a top one hundred player to begin with. But that's where he was ranked. Skunkle. What does the agenda look like when you have this many kids visiting for recruiting weekend, especially with it being such a big game? Kind of madness. <laughs> I don't think Brian Kelly will be available right at 2 p.m. on uh, Sunday. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's going to be delayed a little bit on our on yeah. part. Yeah, uh, kind of madness. Uh, they rely heavily on their support staff. Um, I'm not sure exactly what Dave Poloquin's role is now, but he was always heavily involved in that. You try to get as many people in your organization to contribute to the process. The coaches contribute, but they've got more important things to worry about. But they they map out they map out you know a certain amount of time that they know that they have to spend with the recruits. But it's mainly the support staff that 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 drives the whole production. Um, certainly on certainly on game day, Aaron Carney is sort of the Aaron Carney. Yep, yep. Like, um, you know the on campus recruiting um, jazz. Not, um, She's also in, like big into on-campus recruiting. I'm just blanking on her last name. Sorry, Jazz. And they, yeah. I mean, they have they have a lot of GAs and analysts and people to help get kids from point A to point B. Um, that's what it. That's what this weekend is all about. Um, and they've cleaned it all up since they tried this for the first time in 2011, right? When it oh, was, yeah. went off the rails. No, being real, that's relevant. It's been. They went from there and they made it into a success. Or something they can manage. It's something they want to manage. Well, it's like bringing in all the best players we can the, possibly find. The, uh, the game helps as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to say they went off the rails on the field. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> nobody. That was an all-time face plant. Man. Yeah. That was not good. So it's. I mean, it's just. It's a very hectic weekend. They're very organized about it. It's not the first time they've had a ton of kids in for a marquee game. This happens all the time. T. Shepard not knowing who his host was after uh, the weekend ended. Right. Too bad thing. Yeah. Okay. D. L. Fresh. Brian Kelly says USC's defense is their best in 10 years. We know that it's probably Holtzian hyperbole, but how good is it? I enjoyed watching him go from this is their best defense they've had in a 
couple since maybe yeah. since I've been here. <laughs> he just kind of started going and yeah. thought to himself, I don't "Why know not? Just I, go I, ahead and say it." I don't yeah. know, nobody remembers their defense in 2013. I'll just say this: except <laughs> people that do podcasts. Yes, that was that was their best defense, 2013. I had to make myself look, and we were right—the one that just okay. smothered yeah. Notre Dame in a, in a loss. Notre Dame no, it, I mean it's a, it's an exaggeration. I. You know, they've got, in, we talked about this, I think, on my individually, they've got players. They've got players on the defensive line. They've got players at linebacker. And Pete, as you said, they've got five star, young five star DBs. But to call it the best in 10 years is a complete exaggeration. Yes, of course it is. But it was, I just watched, his path was great. He just realized, he thought to himself, you know, I don't really know about that. I don't remember these defenses. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm, like, I'm, I'm all in on I'm this. All in on this. <laughs> Best like, ever. It's like Michael Pittman. He couldn't have said, embrace the suck when we're winning the game. Right. He had to say, when we're running up the score. Yeah. He just threw it out there. Couldn't <laughs> was, help himself. Yes. Uh, Joseph Ramis, even with the cause for concern in defending Vaughn's Pittman and St. Brown, do you see this game getting to a point where the Nordane pass rush simply takes over the game and seals it in the fourth quarter with Nordane pulling away? That's exactly how I think the game's going to unfold. I think, I think it's going to be tie game in the third quarter. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't go quite that far, but I think after watching Virginia Notre Dame play and that defense turn it up in the second half, that I can't imagine unfolding differently because those they're fresh, they're better than the offensive line they're facing. If he wants to get it out quick, he gets it out quick. That's fine too. There's guys to make tackles. I, re- I really think that the Notre Dame defensive line will clearly be the best unit on the field by the end of the game, and the best statistics on the field probably will go to the wide receivers we're going to see so because the wide receivers. I said it will be a tie game in the third quarter, and you disagree, but then you say it's going to be like the Virginia game when Notre well, Dame was losing? I, I don't mean the score. I mean okay. how good the defense was right. in the second half. I think Notre Dame will well, – I, I probably think Notre Dame will win by more than you. That could be the, okay. the reason for this. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if the game's tied in the third quarter. That's not I – mean, Notre Dame was behind 10 nothing last year. They were 11-0. These things happen. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't – Sports. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't – and I don't – you know, point spread's 10. I'm inclined yeah, to Yeah, you're take... not supposed to be up by 25. Right, right. I'm inclined to point. take the points. Um, yeah, you know, and it's not like it's not like USC won't dink and dunk. They'll they'll still do that. They throw it to the running backs. I think there's a question on that. We'll, we'll address that more. They they'll throw underneath. Up. Obviously, they throw underneath to St. Brown, and I've seen them throw underneath to Vaughn's. They don't necessarily do everything down the field, but if you're chasing points and you need some quick scores or you need to move the football, that's when, as, as you guys are saying, I think that's when Nordings pass rush can take over. P.G. Duman, does the turnover count determine the outcome of the game? Well, this is a, it's a great question because it's one of the great disparities you're ever going to see after five games. Nordings number two in the country. In turnover margin at plus 10, they've gained 14 and turned it over four times. USC is 122nd in the nation at minus 7. They've turned it they've turned it over 13 times, mainly because of those young quarterbacks, and they've gained only six turnovers. After five games, a 17 turnover disparity is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I think uh, the turnover count determines the margin of the game. Notre Dame is going to create more turnovers than USC. That will determine the margin. But if you want to make a case for USC winning the game, it's kind of like Notre Dame and Georgia. That was outcome. Notre Dame had to create more turnovers than Georgia to win that game. USC has to create more turnovers than Notre Dame to win this game. Um, I mean, if it's even, it's Notre it Dame. It shouldn't go that way. No, it absolutely should not go that way. So I guess whatever word you want to use, it has a lot to do with the game. <laughs> if it, I, My answer would be if USC wins, it does. That's because that's the only way USC is going to win. They, have to, the they have to be plus two. That was my point. The outcome is USC, the margin. 
would be Notre Dame if they just intercept three passes, which we'll be getting to soon. NJL Irish. On the previous podcast, you discussed how the USC wide receivers will present one of the biggest challenges of the year for our defensive backs, especially without Crawford. Will SC try to put more stress on the defensive backfield by also deploying tight ends and running backs in space, or will they need those players for blocking? What is the strength of the Irish defense? It he says is in the front line. You have watched more yeah, USC Mel- than I have. Melpei and Carr have combined for twenty-three receptions, so they absolutely are throwing to the to the running backs. They, uh, tight ends, no, no. no. Um, the, the tight ends of the Pete Carroll are not there. Yeah, they very sparingly are they using their tight ends. Uh, and they will go empty, though. They, Graham Harrell's happy to go empty. That is the point of the year. Sure. Right? So that if they go empty, that's when it comes out quickly. That probably has a little bit to do with the low sack totals. I'm sure it's an edict from Graham Harrell. We're empty. It's getting out. Right. It, that, it's sometimes empty. Ryan Kelly's right about that. It's empty. We're mm-hmm. dropping eight. Yeah. yeah. That's that's how you play that. I don't, yeah. That's, um, I'm curious to see how how much time Slovis has in sort of like, if you want to push the ball vertically, you need time for the receivers as fast as they are to actually run 40 yards. So you need 4.3 seconds. Wait, wait till you see the trajectory of some of his throws. I don't know if that's how he normally throws or he realizes he's got three receivers that you can just throw the damn thing up there, especially Pittman. Just throw it up there. He's going to make a play. Pittman against Utah was offensive the way Utah was playing him. It's like, what are you doing? You have no chance of stopping him. They uh, okay. <laughs> they really played, we watched that in a bar together, yes, right? Yes, we're yeah. looking up. We're in Atlanta. We're looking up like, what? What are you thinking? Yeah. That's the flailing. <laughs> they play man, and they said, you know, we're we're just going to play man because that's what you. we do. Yeah. It was ridiculous. It was. It was just their safety play was just <laughs> atrocious. That the, uh, the the play the safety did not make coming over to hit Pittman. When oh was my god! Near. It was, yeah, as we're Pete and I were just yeah. like, all right, this is strange. You know, Pete, you mentioned about what do you call that defense uh, zone coverage, and uh, obviously Notre Dame has to, you know, they. And it's a completely different situation with Louisville, but they came out in man, and that wasn't working, and so they had to change. Completely different styles of offenses, but I think a similar, a similar approach by Notre Dame. Uh, you mix it up, of course, but I think a similar approach by Notre Dame. Washington, do you guys have, and others have talked about the tough matchup? Wait, yeah, for Notre Dame secondary against USC's receiver, but isn't the matchup USC's offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive line an even tougher matchup for them? They haven't faced a defensive line as good and deep as Notre Dame's this season, and communication is going to be very difficult for them on the road. Utah is also very good on the defensive line. I mean, I think that's worth Yes, they really are. Worth They're accounting for. Their safeties yeah. are terrible. You no, know, I mean, I get the premise of the, the question yeah. because it is a vulnerable offensive line. They've only given up six sacks, so that's a... That's a byproduct of the, the the approach. But, yeah, Notre Dame should win the line of scrimmage against their offensive line. Notre Dame's defensive line is getting better and better and better every week. Bowling Green's terrible. But no, the, the Virginia see, was phenomenal. But, right. But, but since, the, since, the, the Virginia, or since the Georgia game and then, of course, the Virginia game, it, it's, you know, MTA is playing great. Heinish is playing a lot, a lot better. Certainly, Oquara is playing better than he than he did the the first couple games, and you've got Jameer Jones making plays, and Ogundeji we know can, and Kareem. I, they should have the advantage, yes. Jameer Jones, one of the games is Bowling Green, so excuse this, but boy, if he has another game like he did Virginia and Bowling Green with USC, it's just that's a productive guy all of a sudden. Right? Yeah, don't block him with a running back. No, that's no, that, that didn't work, that didn't work well. People do dumb things. We've noticed, or a tight man. end. They'll just throw him on the ground. 
C underscore Bogan nineteen eighty seven. Do you think Nordin will try to limit US pass, USC's passing attack by playing more dime or nickel or simply dropping eight into coverage? Every time I think that they're going to change something up in the secondary, where like they're going to make their the dime the base defense, they don't. So I'm not sure. It, it may take them a while to adapt or change. But Tim and I, do you disagree? No, I mean Tim and I were talking about this before yeah. you you got here. I mean you don't drop eight. I mean you're you're mitigating your own pass rush. Like I, it's not drop eight six times to, at the right time because you're right. doing this on second long and third and long. You're not. Yeah, I mean, it's like against Virginia, they dropped O'Quarr at the beginning of the game, and Virginia hit it for a 40-yard play. Right. So it's like that's not automatically going to work. Yeah, I don't love drop eight with Notre Dame because of their front four. I, I, I like this back seven, and mm. I like the front four doing their job. Yeah. It, it's, the got, front four is better than their front five. You don't you've, got, you've got three very good to great safeties back there. That is your... Yeah, I. That's your cushion back there. I do think Pete, and you point out for the Georgia game, it was going to happen. You're stretching your third and long, third and four, and you're bringing in Kyle Hamilton and the, the so-called dime package. That'd be a, the yeah, an interesting way to it's, do it. You, you just stretch it a little bit, where you're thinking, unless it's third and short, we're bringing these guys in. And that package has not been great the last few weeks. It's great um, beginning. You're right. Yeah, and it's so, slowed down. Maybe that I mean I think it's one of those like snapback performances for that group because it's it's so obvious to everyone um, that you would think they would drill that a lot in practice and they would figure something out. Um, you know, it's like beginning of the year they couldn't convert a third and one. Well, we don't really talk about that much anymore. They're fine with that. Like they they will get that fixed and it will probably get fixed this week. Insane ND Tucson. This was not a question submitted, but I saw it on a message board and I wanted to throw it in. It's just part of what he said. Over under one point five interceptions. Over, over. I'm I'm definitely over on that. I mean, it's like if you said it was just Kyle Hamilton, I would have to think about it. How about over under two and a half? <laughs> oh, just, that's just good. Kyle <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah, like, that's good. Um, two two and a half is a good line. I'm not sure. I I think they'll have at least two picks. That's. A, I wouldn't surprise me if they had three. I mean, Slovis is, I believe. Well, no, Fink started at Washington through three picks. Slova started at BYU through three picks. Why would it be any different at Notre Dame? Yeah. I, I Slovis is Slovis is a lot better than Fink. Uh, you know, what did, did I say the other day that Fink stinks? Yeah, you did. That's pretty offensive. Yeah. That, 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 that's 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 a terrible rhyme, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's I didn't eat, I didn't Was that what you meant? No, oh, I okay. did, actually I didn't. Okay. I just wanted to say that he stunk and that's that you that's, just had a point to convey. That's on un, that's unfair after I I watch more film although he is really if you get him in the game, he he will make a, a very poor decision. He's a junior. Slovis is a freshman. He played, it for, is, uh, he played in 2017 here. I think through three passes, ran a couple times. How did he do? Well, not a, not any worse than Sam Darnold did. <laughs> it was a rough day for you. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Think or stinks was a harsh word. It was it's the right word, but it was a harsh word. Uh, <laughs> low key Scott. I would imagine a higher scoring affair this weekend. I have no doubt Notre Dame can score plenty on the Trojans. But will this be the day Clark Lee's unit gives up the magical thirty-one? If it was at USC, pretty good chance. But it's not, and it's going to be forty-five degrees. So I don't think this is going. The to over under is fifty-nine and a half, and I I know Pete's going under. I'm under. And I, I'm under as well. I don't see it that way. I mean, we know the receivers are dangerous, but, you know, Clark Lee, Clark Lee is 
is a is a rising star as a coordinator and is going to be a real hot commodity as a head coach someday, sooner rather than later. I can't even picture the disjointed first two drives of the Louisville game anymore. Thinking of Notre Dame's defense, they've played so well since and the and the first half of first half of Virginia where they're getting scored on, they're a little bit out of well, a lot out of character. Bryce Perkins was really hot. I mean, he was making throws that beat teams. They exerted their will after that. I just I. I keep seeing that Georgia defense. I keep seeing the second half of Virginia, and I can't imagine them giving up three points. But I, I can totally imagine after ten minutes of the game thinking, like, "Yep, USC is going to get thirty because how the Louisville game started, right? And how, how the USC game started last year, how the Virginia game started. Um, not a great opening drive. No, they, it's they not. It's not out of the realm of possibility that USC scores ten points in the first quarter. No, I'm with you. I I, I agree with you. They, in fact, they. Uh, it's a strange how well it's, it comes down to Clarkly adjusting in these games because Louisville up and down the field. Yeah, I mean that's just yeah. Bowling Green had no chance, so that's not part of it. It's USC's coming out of the gate slowly defensively as well so far this season. So it you know like it could it could end up it could be a high first quarter uh, first quarter scoring game, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, Burbs Ray is the Notre Dame USC rivalry as big as it used to be. Tim and Tim speak from experience to the campus. Players, coaches get as excited today as when you both went to Notre Dame. Hard for me to speak on the campus because I'm not on the campus. Yeah, the daily thing. So yeah. we'll let somebody chime in on that on Twitter. Uh, it was, I mean, Michigan was bigger when I was at Notre Dame because Notre Dame was much better than USC. It was the, it was the midst of the thirteen thirteen games without a loss to them, eleven wins. Um, expected to beat USC every single time. The, the two home games I attended for you, remember you only go to two games when you're, there's two are on the road. The right. two home games were, it was close. There's one I mentioned, 24-20. Uh, I can still picture Lake Dawson making a diving catch in that game. Um, and 93, they just destroyed them. They, at no point did anybody on Notre Dame's campus think right. that 93 team was going to lose to USC. So it was a little different in that way. Um, I mean, I think it's still, Brian Kelly gets up for this one. He doesn't, he doesn't, Usually speak up much about differentiating games. He gets up. No, and the whole shillelagh—that's always prominent. I, I, I know that was a thing. Yeah, I don't think. Up. You know, I, I, again, I, I can't. Like you said, we can't speak for the campus and players and coaches per se. I think it was. You know, when I was a kid, you had the. Uh, you know, beat USC. You had a picture of Anthony Davis. Uh, everybody ta- they taped him on the sidewalk so you could step on him as you. You walked by things like that. That I, I was at the I was a senior in high school. The Green Jersey game for forty nine nineteen against USC. That was total madness. So it won't be like that. It won't be like yeah. that. It, I don't think it's like that anymore. But you have a night game with the scoreboard and everything that goes with it. Now it's the, different. The last game here was great. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, once again, I keep bringing up Michigan. I, Michigan and Notre Dame's hatred when I was in school, and they were the most evenly matched teams you could possibly find, was the rivalry when I was in school. Think of 91-92. So it's lost to Desmond Howard, tie at home, booing Lou Holtz, going up and upsetting them there, and Notre Dame losing my senior year on a last-second field goal. Like, every single thing was the biggest deal in the world mm-hmm. with Michigan. Um, I do remember walking in recently, a couple years ago, it might have been 2017 or 15, they were doing something outside the Goog, there was all the... They might have taken that tradition. There were names all over the place. Yeah, I think they, the, yeah, they, they I brought think that back tradition. into play, yeah. 
I don't know that it was necessarily Anthony Davis. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not the same. Yeah. It's, and it's Anthony not. Davis ended up walking all over Notre Dame, of course. Well, it's, uh, I which mean, made me cry as a kid when and, that happened. In this, <laughs> in the last thirty years, it's been a top ten game three times, and in the seventies, it was a top ten game five times, and it was a top fifteen game three other times. It was just a better game in the 70s because yeah, no both doubt. teams were better consistently. Once the once the John Robinson era ended, and even when he came back, I was going to say, I was there yeah, for the comeback era. Right. And, and, and it, you know, they weren't, yeah, they weren't the same. John John McKay, John Robinson, that was that was the height of the, the, the Notre Dame-USC rivalry. I will say uh, my year after I graduated is the Keenan Tatum hit. I was a graduate. It was 95, but I graduated in the spring of 95. That Notre Dame team in campus, because I was still around it, they were underdogs at home, underdogs, and a really good team, and really, really into it about being underdogs against USC, and the crowd was nuts, and so were the players. That is one I can remember really embracing the rivalry at a time when Notre Dame was always beating USC. Yeah, Ken and Tatum. That's a great play. Ken and, just, Ken and Tatum could, could stick people, no doubt. Jay Dolezal, USC players seem to have a lot of confidence going into Notre Dame Stadium this weekend. If Notre Dame wins big... You see Clay Helton getting the Lane Kiffin treatment being left on the tarmac in South Bend. They don't have an AD, so probably not. <laughs> they, they do not have, they have not replaced Lynn Swan, correct. Yeah, so who's going to fire him? <laughs> like, they don't have anybody to do the deed. But make no mistake. Make, make no safe. mistake. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless he somehow pulls off the nine straight wins to end the season like he did three years ago, which is I, not going I to happen. I about that, too. That's crazy he did that. I know. He's going to get fired at the end of the year. Yeah, he's a dead man walking. They could, <laughs> I mean, they could easily win out, though. Why did Why did Lynn Swan after resign? Like, they could lose this weekend, and then he could win out. I haven't looked at their schedule. It's pretty just, weak. It's still really? been consistent enough. It's pretty weak program. So, but at this point, like it's this is his fifty fifth game as the head coach. I don't know why that is going to sway you one way or the other. Like, you're not... There are no undecided voters on Clay Helton anymore. Right. Ryan Abraham yesterday from USC's site seemed to mention that yeah. no, it's, this is just to make people happy if he can win, but that's about it. Just right. for the record, after this weekend, Arizona at home, at Colorado, Oregon at home. I mean, Oregon's... Yeah. <laughs> look, at, look at Pete dismissing well, other yeah, teams. Right. Just that's like, that's yeah. going to be Did a 48-45 game. At Arizona State, at Cal, that that could be a little tricky because that's the week before UCLA. Mm-hmm. Cal is obviously an improved team, but they have their... I'm not saying they will win out, but they could. <laughs> no, like, I agree. It, it wouldn't, I agree. Like, if, you, if you said at the end of the year that, oh, USC finished 9-3, I'd be like, yeah. I agree, but I... I I just don't feel like Clay Helton's going to pull that off again. I think too, there's too much water under the bridge since 2016 to pull that off and again. kudos to the message board subscriber that said he'll be Ubering home. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. It just struck me as, as funny at the time. So. Uh, Big Mac 24, Pete, go first on this one. What was your memorable, most memorable USC Notre Dame game? Because I can guess yours. Uh, 2005. <laughs> yes. I, mean, it's like I, I think if it's like if you ask me to name one thing that happened in every USC game between now and 2005, I would struggle to do that. But, you could but 2005, <laughs> I could be like, do the whole thing. I give you, I can do a loose emoji like play by play yes, of what happened. Every single play of it. Um, yeah, I mean that game. That game was incredible. It was like, it was like the Georgia atmosphere uh, from earlier this year. Um, you don't, 
or the Miami atmosphere from two years ago. And, like, so many things have to conspire for that to happen. Hatred is key. Losing a lot. Great team. Hope has to happen. Um, Like, the weather was awesome. It was that that whole that whole weekend was incredible. So, yeah, that was awesome. I, just to pick because it's not my number one memory, but this is also <laughs> the last time that everyone in the country, everyone in the country, wanted Notre Dame to win a football game, unless you're a USC fan. That's true. Everywhere you went, I flew up from Atlanta and flew home, and everywhere I was, they were just like, "Please, yes." Right. <laughs> when you get home, I had. Yeah. I had an elderly uh, neighbor at my apartment. He's cussing. <laughs> they came back. He's like, they blanking had them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, everybody in the world watched that game. That, that was nuts. The, I, one of the loudest I've ever heard Notre Dame Stadium. The loudest I've ever heard it. Uh, there's two moments in the game, actually. Zibikowski's punt return and when Trevor Laws got the sack right before the fourth down throw. The Dwayne mm-hmm. Jarrett. To go mm-hmm. to that, I, that place was delirious. It was really impressive. That was a fun that would be almost everyone listening's favorite memory of that game. I have at least a fleeting memory of 53 Notre Dame USC games. So picking one is is a little bit difficult, but I would go with um, 1988 in the Coliseum. Uh, everything on the line uh, that felt more like that felt like a national championship game. Notre Dame went on to beat West Virginia pretty it, easily. It was one versus two for people that forgot. It was one versus two. Versus Notre Dame actually, Notre Dame actually went more than a, there was a more than a thirty minute stretch without a first down, but they had built a lead and they ended up winning by seventeen, which is a little bit deceiving. Uh, but you had the you had the Tony Rice run. You had the Smagala pick. You had the you had. Um, Frank Stamm's wiping out Rodney Pete. Um, he had Pritchett hitting him, and he had to pull all the all the Coliseum turf out of his face mask when he was on the ground. That Pritch, was fun Pritchett, they communicated with Pritchett this week, and he assured me once again that USC is still soft. You had two guys sent home, which I want everybody to imagine two guys right sent now. Home. Eleven and zero Notre Dame last year, number three, and let's make USC eleven and zero number two. Right, and they send home. Dexter Williams and Miles Boykin. What are Notre Dame fans saying at that point? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it, that's what happened. I know. Only there were more Dexter Williams and Miles Boykins on that team, so it didn't matter. They just brought in the other guys. It was uh, it was a great day, great day in the Coliseum. Shout out to the next year '89, the Marinovich game. But as your story will show, the as <coughs> Notre Dame fans like to call it the Kolakowski game. I have so some comments from Scott Kolakowski. Uh, and I know what Todd Light said to Marinovich when he ran by him on the fourth down play at the goal line, but I cannot put it on the airwaves. <laughs> and he did not deny it when he came back here. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> Someday. All right, gentlemen, predictions. I, I mean, I like Notre Dame. I don't think it's going to be uh, a high-scoring game, so I'm, I'm well below the under. Um, I, I have Notre Dame 27-17. I think that um, Keaton Slovis will put up a lot of statistics, but throw some picks. I don't. If USC could run the ball or stop the run better, then I would I would feel like yeah, I could see them, the, the puncher's chance coming through in, in USC upsetting Notre Dame. But Notre Dame has won 14 in a row at home. I believe they've run won 15 in a row as a favorite. They're at home and a favorite. So I think Notre Dame is a more mature team. I think the weather doesn't hurt. I don't know how much it will help. But um, I, 
I guess I sort of see Notre Dame winning the game in the fourth quarter. I, I don't think they're going to put it on them like two years ago or even anything close to that. Probably be, the dynamics will be more similar to last year. Timmy? I'm in the – I mean, I have Notre Dame cover, um, so I have to adjust my 34-24 thought process because I don't think it's going to be a 10-point spread. So I guess I'll have to make it 34-21 range. I do think Notre Dame will cover. Um, I have Notre Dame just kind of cementing it in the fourth quarter is the only way I can differentiate it from yours probably, mm-hmm. right? Just – for the yeah. tenor of the game, that they're you don't think they're going to lose, but they got to make some plays, and it's the defensive line and defensive ends that make plays, allowing maybe that second Kyle Hamilton interception or Alohi Gilman to get a pick. Kind of like a fourth quarter where USC has two first downs, right? And they have a shot, an outside shot, but they just get shut down um, in that quarter. And I think Gilman will probably have some words <laughs> in this one. Yeah, he very well may because that's a that's a that's a great matchup for him. Um, I've got too much history in this to. It's it's very difficult for me to even predict them covering to the win. spread. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, not to I win, know, not to win. Because I because getting back to what we said early, chemistry and the cohesion of this team and the program and where they are, that when push comes to sub, shove, that that ultimately uh, plays a role. I do think it's under, not as much as uh, Pete has it, uh, and I do not think that uh, USC breaks Clark Lee's string of thirty points or under. So um, we'll have more on that in the preview on Friday and um, Saturday. Yes, Tim. Harder game to pick in two weeks, I, in my opinion. Still, uh, very much more difficult game to pick uh, in two weeks at Michigan, regardless how Michigan is playing. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Tim and I will be back for our instant analysis pregame from Notre Dame Stadium. That'll be Saturday afternoon when Notre Dame gets ready to take on USC in Northern State. Indiana Dunes Tourism is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com for the latest news and information.